0: Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
1: Here is this week's message.
0: happy to report to you that as a result of much prayer and discernment, uh, the parish council and I are really happy to announce we've got a new senior associate pastor coming on board. His name is Mike Arnold. Here's a picture of Mike and his family. Mike Arnold has been serving in ministry for many years here in the Pittsburgh area and other places. His wife, Rochelle, uh, and he have two daughters, Elena and Ava. Are you excited to meet them? Yeah good. They're going to be here. They are here. You might even see them in the comments today. And uh, Mike starts tomorrow. So get ready to hit the ground running, Mike. We're excited to have you. Welcome to the family. And you're going to have an opportunity to see Mike here on the platform and get to know him and his family in the coming weeks. Praise God for all this. Let's pray. Oh God, we do thank you that you are moving in our midst. And uh, even... The Arnolds coming on board here and joining the family at Christ Church is an encouragement to us as we see evidence of of your forward movement in the kingdom of God represented right here at Grove Farm. So Lord, thank you for this. We pray for a blessing on the Arnolds and we're excited to get to know them and to work with them and minister together. And Lord, as we do consider the ministry ahead of us, As we look at this series called The Greatest and we consider serving and our calling to serve, I pray that the Scripture today would speak to us in a way that challenges us and gives us understanding. I submit myself to you, Lord. I'm imperfect, but I pray, Lord, that by your Spirit that you use me along with the Scriptures to communicate something that's helpful to us as we endeavor to be your people. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So there, there may be some debate about who's the greatest in the arena of athletics. But I could tell you this. I think we'd all agree that there is no debate about the greatness of those who served uh, in the aftermath of 9-11 20 years ago. They're heroes. We have some images here. And these are iconic images. And they give us a picture of service. You see these these faces. You see the circumstances. And it speaks to us about the heroism of those who served in those days. And, And we have been talking about service here. We've been entertaining this question. What does it mean to serve? We've been entertaining this question. Why? Why do we serve? Well, the heroes of 9-11 in so many ways exemplify service to us. Selflessness. You see it represented in those photos. Passion. They exemplify these things to us. This is why on September 11, particularly this year with 20 years after the fact, we remember, on one hand, unimaginable tragedy. The photos take us back to that moment catastrophe, something that we couldn't ever fathom would happened in our own country. But not only that, this, this day in this weekend of 9-11, it also calls us to remember a shining moment in American history, a time when, when people came together, a time when, when love and humility were expressed through service. It reminds me of what we read in the scriptures, something known as the Great Commandment. I'll remind you of it. It's on the screens here. Matthew 22 says this, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I would submit this to you, whether we realize it or not, America has historically been influenced by godly principles like the one I just read to you. I mean, do you think that that every nation in the world would respond like those heroes responded across the world in, in light of terror? Would they all respond in the same way? I would suggest no. Not every nation, not all peoples around the world would respond like those people responded that we look at. How we behave in America has been influenced, has been inspired by the power of the Holy Scriptures, by the truth of the Scriptures, whether we realize it or not. Generosity, love for neighbor, selflessness, these are things that have their roots in the Scripture. In fact, if you look historically, people didn't think this way at all in ancient times. Our nation has been influenced in this way. And when we see those pictures. It's a reminder that that Christ has made a stamp, has made an imprint on the culture of our nation. But just because we have been influenced in this way, doesn't mean that we will always be. And so I think that the text today that we're looking at, Hebrews 6, which AK just read for us, is really important. It's important to our nation. I'm talking to largely a group of people who are American citizens. Listen, this text, the truth of Scripture is important to our nation. And how we live and how we behave. We have a role to play in that. only that, it's important to the church. It's important to Christians. So, so get your antennas up here. There's absolutely something that we have to wrestle with and consider in terms of service and what it looks like to love our neighbors ourselves and what it looks like to love God. So let's go to the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 6. I see that some of you are up in your Bibles, that's great. You could follow along your Bible on your, on your iPhone or iPad, whatever you've got. It's on the screens as well. Take some notes, make some, some thoughts come together here, and I pray that God will speak to us through this passage. We're going to begin in verse 9 of Hebrews 6. So let's go there right now. The writer says, Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation. Okay, so I'll admit, this is a little bit of an odd place to start, this passage that we're looking at here this morning in the sermon. But I thought it was important to do this. Okay, because there's something here that we have to consider in the backdrop of this whole conversation about service. And that's this, what the writer points out in verse 9. He says, even though we speak like this, well, how has he been speaking? I think if you look at verse 8, you get a sense of it. You can read the whole chapter of Hebrews 6 for yourself. But look with me at verse 8. It says, But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. You see, what he's saying when he says, even though we speak like this, he's referring to what is a a harsh tone. He's referring to dire imagery that we see in verse 8. He's referring back to a warning that we see in scriptures. He said, I know this sounds harsh. I know that as you hear about land that produces thorns and thistles, land that is worthless, in danger of being cursed, things being burned up. He says, even though we're talking like this, I want you to hear me out. And listen, there is a warning here, and the warning is all about what is at stake. It was at stake then, and it continues to be at stake today. And what's at stake is this, eternity. Eternity is ultimately what the Scriptures are addressing, what they're speaking to. And and what you see in verse 8 is an agricultural illustration that talks about land. Land that's had thorns and thistles grow up. Land that is cursed, worthless, doesn't produce a crop. Land that will ultimately, because it's worthless and useless, be burnt up. And all this is to be a metaphor for us about what is coming, what's ahead, the end. I know we don't like to talk about this. In fact, people call it fire and brimstone. I'm guessing they call it fire and brimstone because of passages like this. Where it talks about things literally being burnt up. But here's what we know from the scriptures. There is a beginning of all things and there is an end. And that end is coming. We believe that because of what the Bible says to us. And that end will result in everything that we see being burnt up. But here's the hope. The hope is that there's a new glory. There's a new salvation. There's a new heaven, a new earth that awaits us. And so listen, this warning is important for us. And I would speak directly to people who are a part of the family of God, those who are in Christ, and say, listen, there's got to be some urgency in the way you live. In light of what this passage says, in light of a time when things are going to be burned up and everything's going to end, we have to live with an urgency. And the urgency is out of concern for other people. That we would share the hope of Jesus. That we would share the gospel. Let me ask you a question. I've been thinking about this lately. You know, think about all the people you're around. You know, you have friendships with, with other believers. How about people who don't believe in Jesus? Do you have relationships with? Or are you shunning those relationships? Are you shying away from them? Look, we need to be in relationship with those who don't know Jesus. And a part of what we would hope to accomplish in that. Not only loving our neighbor, but sharing the gospel. There should be some urgency here. Because listen, the end of all things is coming. That's that's from the Bible, not from me. And we have to take that seriously. So yeah, a little fire and brimstone. But understand that the writer here, he doesn't just go fire and brimstone. He speaks in such gentleness. In an encouraging tone because all of it flips and and he focuses on the better part. He says, dear friends, I love that change in tone. I love that address. He says, dear friends, not yelling at someone here, not shouting at them. He says, listen, because the end is near, dear friends, dear friends, people that we love, listen, listen, we're convinced of better things. And why are they convinced of better things? The key word there, you might want to circle it or underline it, is the word salvation. They're convinced of better things because there's a salvation that awaits. A salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. The mercy and the love of God embodied in Him, our Savior. And so yeah, though everything is working towards an end, will things be burned up? Listen, there's this hope. There's this salvation. And we say, dear friends... Would you consider the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ? We have to start here. I was going to start in verse 10, but I thought, no, we need to start here. Because before we talk about anything else, we need to talk about the primacy of Jesus. The hope of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, if you're resistant to Jesus, I would ask you to consider this. There's a warning here in verse 8 that tells us that everything is going to come to an end. In fact, it tells us that a certain way of life will come to nothing. I felt myself living that way before. Before I knew Jesus. Before I met Christ. I was living in such a way that was going to amount to nothing. And I knew it. I began to know. That's actually what led me to Christ. Maybe you're sitting in the pew this morning or, or online watching and worshipping with us. look, if you feel like, man, I, I feel that. I feel like everything is not leading together to anything important or lasting or meaningful or anything that's joyous or has hope, I want you to know that that is the end of all things. That all things will be burned up, but there is a hope. There is a salvation. Dear friends, we want you to live with the hope of this salvation, the joy of knowing Jesus. The hope that despite the fact that all the world's going to be burned up like you see in those images. Not just one part of a a city, but all is going to be burned up. That there's this glorious hope we have, a salvation through Jesus. And so we compel you. We say, today's the moment. Now is the time. Would you turn to the Lord? Would you repent? Would you reach out to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I want to live for you. God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he's your son. And I want this salvation because everything in my life is is amounting to nothing. I need Jesus. Jesus, save me. Say that to him. Don't wait till the end of the sermon. Don't wait till the end of the service. Even right now, in your heart, you can say, God, save me. Jesus, be my savior. I believe the world belongs to you. Look, We could have started in verse 10, but we got to start here. And as the writer says, I am convinced. He says, I'm convinced. We are convinced. There's nothing greater in this life. There's no hope that's bigger. There's no joy that's greater. There's nothing greater in this life. Jesus is the treasure. And so everything that we're talking about here hangs on this idea. I say to you, dear friends, we are convinced that better things In your case, things away, things that have to do with salvation are right there for you. Would you take it? Would you grab hold of it? This is why we live. Let's go back to the text, the main text here, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. In light of this salvation, in light of the fact that we're looking down the pike and we see that that there's an end of all things coming, that we have this hope in Jesus, here's what the author says to us, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. And the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. So yeah, we've been talking about serving. And this is the heart of the teaching. Verse 10, one to highlight. This is the heart of the teaching. You know, on 9-11, we say, never forget. You see that on, on images, online, and on the news. Never forget. And we remember the heroic acts. We remember the terrible things that happened. We never forget. Well, this passage says that God, is ne- that God never forgets. He will never forget. He will not forget. God never forgets. And the confidence of the writer in verse 9 is actually born of salvation and this audience's past behavior. And their past behavior here is characterized for us. It's characterized in two ways. First of all, as, as loving service. It says your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Their actions, their behavior is characterized by loving service and it's motivated by God. Their behavior, their past acts are are characterized as loving service, motivated by God. The love you have shown Him is what it says. So here's what we're talking about right now. Loving ministry for God's sake. Loving ministry where we express the love of God to people. For the name of God's sake, for the glory of God. Why do we serve? Are we just a bunch of do-gooders? Is that what this is about? No. Why are we hosting a ministry expo? By the way, you should go to the ministry expo today if you haven't been there. If you have been there, go back. Maybe you didn't sign up. You can sign up to be a part of this. Why are we doing this? Is this just a ploy? So the staff doesn't have to work and we can watch YouTube videos all day and play video games? Is that why we're doing this? Are we just do-gooders? No. Why do we serve? It's loving ministry for the glory of God for God's sake our service is caused by God our service is directed toward God you get this it's not just empty service that's not connected to something it's connected to our love and devotion to God we have loving ministry that's directed toward God's literally the text here what it literally says is love which you have shown to his name the end that we are pursuing is showing love to god's name that's why we serve we want to show love to god's name and we go about doing this by serving god's people that's the point of this the love that god remembers is towards his name first and foremost now here's what we do in the church we have a tendency to minimize one of these either loving service or the directed to God part, we have a tendency to minimize one over the other. One at the expense of the other. For instance, in the church today, there are some different factions or different segments. In fact, there's a part, a group of people that would emphasize a certain element of this. You might call them uh, the, the people who wear skinny jeans, right? Characterize them that way. People like Brad Laboccan, right? With the skinny jeans up here. You know what I'm talking about. Now, Brad doesn't think this way, but there is a section, a a people of the skinny jeans, who emphasize good works in society. Can you think about this? Can you imagine this? People who, who are church people and their emphasis today, the thing that they're all about is deeds, good work in society, social justice. Do you see all this stuff? And so what happens often with the skinny jeans brigade is that, that hallowed be thy name, the glory of God evaporates into humanitarianism. Humanitarianism. That's what happens. And so the the mark of the church, in that case, becomes good deeds, social justice, humanitarian efforts. On the other hand, you have the church of the pleated pants. The pleated pants brigade, not the skinny jeans, the pleated pants. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you were pleated pants this morning. And the pleated pants people tend to emphasize doctrine, personal salvation. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I just emphasize personal salvation. I believe that's an important thing. But that happens often with a focus on God that fails to produce the fruit of love for other people. Some churches are characterized by that. It's all doctrine. It's all right worship. And we leave, we check, love for people at the door. Listen, let's not minimize one at the expense of the other. We connect God-centeredness and ministry to people. We connect God-centeredness and ministry to people. It's like two twin towers standing next to each other. And we're not forced to choose between the two. You don't have to choose between loving God and loving people. You don't have to choose between God-centeredness and ministry to people. And so it's not that we either have to be God-focused and people and their needs suffer, or that somehow we have to be people-focused and God is used rather than worship. No, we love God and we love people. This is the great commandment they come together. Let's look again at Matthew 22. I introduced this early on. Let's go back to it in the context of verse 10 here. Matthew 22 says, again, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all, with all, with all. It says this is the first and greatest commandment, and then the second is like it. That's important. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So listen, love God, And loving God is not reduced to loving people. They're not the same. They're not one and the same. No, they're different. Love God is not reduced to loving people. Love your neighbor. It's like the first command, but not exactly the same as. It's not identical. But together, they sum up the law. Together, they come together. And here's what darkness wants to do. Darkness wants to separate love of God and love of people. That's what's happening in the church today. The, the darkness wants to the enemy wants to separate. No, they come together. So here's what the vision for, for this church family, for the church should be. That we would be a people who are growing more and more in service to God and in love of God that we serve and we worship God like those two big tin twin towers together at the same time. It's service born out of love for His name. Do you get this? Don't take them apart. And if you think about your life, you'll see that you have a tendency to want to separate the two. You probably drift one way or the other. No, that's not what the passage says. Our service is meant to be an expression. It's an expression of, of loving God. It's an expression of us being a people who who not only love him, but love people. Let's go back to the text. We're in Hebrews chapter 6. We're picking up in verse 11. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. Okay, so it says we want each of you. And in some other translations, it says we earnestly desire. What is it that they want each of us to do? What is it that that they earnestly desire we would do? Well, it's a continuation of verse 10. That we would have loving service motivated by God. I want to show you what this looks like in the context of the church here at Christ Church. There's a great story that I want to share with you. Look at this example in the video of loving service motivated by love of God. Check this out. So they were killing the worst people of Africa. That's why we left our country, to save our lives. We did uh, the application and they said, okay, they can help us to come in America.
1: we were delivering 1,300 boxes of food to many places in Pittsburgh, and my assignment was the Crafton Heights area.
0: Mr. Mark came to my house to deliver food. We talked about uh, that we want to go to church, but we don't know where to go, and it helped us to come here.
1: There were some refugee families there that uh, were just brand new to Pittsburgh, and a couple of the families asked to come to church
0: when Kathy and Mark came down to Kids Ministry to let me know that a few children from Crafton Heights would be coming during our Sunday morning services. I realized that they wouldn't be able to come to our summer day camp program here at Christ Church because they don't have transportation to get here. So the week of September 20th, we are going to bring a vacation Bible school experience to the Crafton Heights community. Well, when they came, I did not
1: have any friends. That's why my English is so bad because I was not talking to anybody. Mr.
0: Mark helped us to go to church. Now I have some friends. Pittsburgh is like my home. Mr. Mark is a really nice person. He helped us to find a house and he is helping us for everything. I think. He's the dad that I never had. If they were not nice at all, I wouldn't find a church to learn more about God. I wouldn't meet Mr. Mark. I wouldn't meet so many people who love me.
1: 140 families over there. I'm working with two families. They're, these are people that really, they're struggling. They're struggling to make it here. And I try to think of myself how I could be plopped somewhere in another country not knowing English, and having everything taken away from me and starting back over again. Instead of going to a mission field in some foreign country, we have the mission field right in our backyard.
0: Loving service, motivated by God. Don't you see it? That's, that's what we're called to be. By the way, just as a, a side note, Josiah, the young man in the video, and Danielle, his sister. Um, Danielle referenced her dad. Her dad passed away when she was a very little girl. He was a minister. And I love that our family is able to pick up and, and, and have the opportunity and the privilege to serve them and welcome them. We're actually going to be doing a vacation Bible school down that community. Bethany Rary, our children's minister, has arranged for this. You could be a part of that. You could contribute in some way. Call Bethany. Tell her you want to help. Not only that, Mark told me, Mark Raddy, who's amazing. We're so grateful for Mark's example of loving service motivated by God. Mark told me that that family is in, in need of a home. You know, where they're living right now is not adequate or safe for them. They're working hard. The whole family's working. Josiah works two jobs and goes to community college. They're working to try to to create a better life here. They need some opportunity. Maybe you know someone who can rent a home to them, perhaps. Let Mark know. Let me know. We'd love to do that. We want to be a part of this. And that story, that example of loving service, motivated by God, doesn't it give you hope? Despite the fact that they're facing hardship and difficulty, there's something about the story that gives you hope and that's what the scripture is talking about here that's the goal of loving service motivated towards god you see it says that um, we do all this that we want to have the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized there's something about serving there's something about loving service motivated by god that produces hope this zeal for god This this maintenance of our hope comes alive whenever we do that. Let's go back to the text and finish now with Hebrews 6, verse 12. We do not want you to become lazy. Oh, I love that. The full vitality of the Christian life does not produce lethargy, not at all. If you're fully following Jesus, engage with Him, you won't be lazy, is what they're saying. We don't want you to become lazy. There's a kind of get-to-work ethic that comes with being a follower of Christ. Be a part of his work in the world. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what is promised. It calls us to be imitators. And and anytime we're called to be imitators, there's there's typically two words we see in the scriptures. And those words are faith and perseverance. We're called to be people of faith. We're called to be people who persevere. This is how the heroes of faith are characterized. In fact, the the scriptures point us to them here. If you read on some more, you'll see. They were faithful to God, who promises salvation in light of the coming end. They're faithful to God, who promises salvation. Think about the biblical figures. You might think of some names, some people you're familiar with. But not only that, we have contemporary figures in our own context. There were people who were a part of the founding of this church by faith and perseverance. Here are some photos of them. Look at these faces. We're to be imitators of the people who've come before us. Do you think this beautiful campus just popped out of the ground one day? Do you think that the ministries of Christ Church just appeared out of thin air? No, there were people who were motivated by God and exemplified loving service. They sacrificed they labored. They gave themselves. They loved God. They loved people. We're called to pick up that mantle. We're called to be imitators of those biblically who have gone before us. And even contemporary figures like some of the faces you saw on that screen. And what is the hope? Why do we do this? Well, there's a promise to inherit. The patriarchs inherited that promise. That's what the scripture is speaking out. That, that, that through faith and patience, they inherit what has been promised. This same thing is for those who've come before us in the faith. And it's for us. Our loving service motivated by God is done in expectation of a coming hope, of a future hope that takes us right back to that scene of thorns and thistles and desolation. There's this salvation that awaits us. And so we are motivated by God's love, by his salvation towards loving service. To close, I'm going to take you to the beginning of chapter 6. You know, whenever you read a passage, I encourage you to read what's around the passage you're reading. It helps us understand, it gives us context. And verse 1 of chapter 6 stood out to me in Hebrews as I was preparing this week. And so I want to share this with you as we consider this loving service motivated by God. Verse 1 says this Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. I'll stop there. You know, I wonder, for instance, as a nation, in light of the, the 9-11 memorial of this weekend, 20 years later, I wonder if we've matured as a nation in the past 20 years. We say never forget. I wonder if we've forgotten. I wonder if we need to go back to the elementary teachings in some way and we need to mature as a nation. I know this for sure. Now is the time For those who follow Christ to get serious about growing up. There is a return coming of Jesus. There is an end of all things. And so here's the message to the church. Get ready. Let's be prepared. And this is loving service motivated by God. It's loving service to share the gospel. It's loving service to go help those in need. Like Josiah and Danielle and other families in the Crafton Heights. People get ready Let's move forward to maturity. And by the way, when it talks about moving beyond the elementary teachings and into maturity, it's not talking about more perfect doctrine. That's not the reference here. This isn't about going into the classroom. No, actually, the language indicates it's, 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 it's human development that's referenced here. It's moving from milk to solid food. It's moving from crawling to full movement. It's moving beyond teaching to action, moving beyond teaching to action. So here's what I would leave you with, an evaluation. Where are you? Are you in the elementary teachings? You stuck in elementary school? It's time to grow up. Those of you who, who follow Jesus, who profess his name, now is the time to grow up and to move into maturity. Here's a little evaluative tool for you. As we talk about loving service, motivated by love of God, let me ask you a question. Are you more likely to be found spending time in the sanctuary or time in service? Do you find yourself more likely to be showing up here at church and hanging out in between these walls? Singing the songs? We love to do that. Praying together? We love to do that. That's important. We have to do that. But that's not all we're called to. We're called to service as well. I love Mark Ratty's example. Of not only being present here, engaging in worship and loving God, personal devotion, but also acts of service, motivated by his love of God. Which one are you? Or are you more action prone? Are you more, more likely to be caught in serving? Are you a do-gooder? Are you someone who, who thinks that, that that's a, a great way to, to please God, but yet you don't know God, you don't spend time with him, you don't give much thought to God? What challenge you? But today is the day. Now is the time to move beyond the elementary teachings of Christ. Now is the time to know Christ and to grow up in Him. And part of growing up in Him is loving service, motivated by God, together. Not one or the other. Not divided in half. No. We love people and that love of people is motivated by God. Let's be the people God's called us to be. Let's live for Jesus. Let's give ourselves to Him. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit and go into the world and express His love for His people in word and in deed. Let's pray. I want to ask you to to turn to God this morning and to pray about this. Perhaps the Word of God has convicted you this morning. You realize, man, I have been stuck in in the sanctuary and I need to serve. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you've been full of good deeds but haven't really given your love and devotion to God. Haven't turned to Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your incredible grace. We thank you for this salvation. Freedom from sin life promise beyond this life this world we thank you lord for the salvation we have in jesus and lord though we know things are coming to an end and and though we know that much of what we lay our hands to in this life will come to nothing that'll be burned up in the end we're thankful we have this salvation this hope through jesus thank you for loving us so much lord thank you for giving us this great joyous wondrous hope through your son jesus christ And God, we want to live for him. I pray, Lord, that each of us would consider how we can live our lives characterized by loving service, motivated by love for you. And I pray, Lord, that we would do them in in cooperation with each each other, that they would be tied to one another. That we would both worship you with all of our hearts and serve you with all of our hearts as well. May we live out, Lord, the great commandment to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And also to love our neighbors as ourselves. Let us bring them together, Lord. Let us be a church that's marked, that's known for loving you and loving people. Help us to do this, God. We can't do it on our own. We need Jesus. And so we look to you, God. We say, save us. We say, help us, Jesus. We need you so desperately. Thank you, God, for this time of worship together today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope of salvation through Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.